feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. On today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Mark Turnipseed, who is an author local to Asheville. He wrote a book titled My Suicide Race, in which he details some of the trauma that he went through in his life that ultimately resulted in um, drug addiction and alcoholism and how he overcame that uh, by coming to live in his true identity as a person in recovery and with coming out as gay. And so we talk about that a little bit, but then we also talk a lot about how um, fitness and that mind-body connection uh, helped him live in his truth more and how he shares that with other people. And we also talked about a lot about the routines and frameworks that he uses to stay successful and how he continues to do all these amazing things and share his bright light with the world. So I hope you really enjoy the interview. I hope you listen and leave feeling as uplifted and inspired as I did talking with this amazing human. And of course, as always, I will link how to find Mark, how to find his book, uh, how to get in touch with him in the show notes. But also, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can check out my website. Um, That will be linked in the show notes as well. And always... If this helps you or resonates with you in any way, I would greatly appreciate if you subscribe, turn on episode notifications, connect with me on any of my social media platforms you can find in the show notes, and please leave a review if you use Apple Podcasts. That would help me a lot with, you know, the algorithm and all that stuff, getting in front of people, more people who this might resonate with or share it with your friends, um, help me get the word out. I'm pretty new at this podcast, so I would greatly appreciate some some word of mouth sharing. And with that said, we'll get right into it. I hope you really enjoy this interview as much as I did. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of The Science of Light. Today I am joined by a very special guest, Mark Turnipseed, the author of My Suicide Race, which is a book about, um, I guess, how running triathlons helped you kind of overcome your addiction, struggles with addiction. And so I'm super excited. So you're also local to Asheville, um, where I am. So I'm super excited to kind of get into talking to you about that today because I, you know, it was kind of the same for me, like exercise, yoga was like the the piece that I needed, the missing link for overcoming my addiction. So I just love, I'm so excited to hear your perspective. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm always super happy to get on a podcast and definitely a local Asheville one. This is great. Yeah. So first of all, so your book is self-published. That's like my first question. I'm like, what, what is that even like self-publishing a book? How did, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah the book is self-published and self-publishing is a very hard process, you know, because you have all the responsibility on your shoulders. Um, whereas if you go with a publishing house, they do all your marketing, they do all your um, communications with editors and things like that and, and, and media outlets when, yeah. when it comes to that point like podcast interviews and things like that. They manage all of that stuff. Whereas if you're doing it yourself, you have all of it on your shoulders. And so, um, and also with the development of the book, when it comes to the editing, you have to pick your own editor, um, which is an extremely difficult process. I lost tons of money picking wrong editors. And mm. then you have to also get your graphic designer. You have to get all your photos. It's a, um, it's, it's a, it's quite a process. And, you know, I really learned a lot about um, team management and project mm. management throughout it because you have a whole team of, it's not just me, you know, it's right. me, my editor, my typesetter, the person who puts it into the book. And then it's my PR per, you know, it's this, it's this whole team of people working together and in a publishing house, somebody's managing that. But as yeah. a self-published author, you're managing your entire team while also trying to write the book. It was a very stressful um, time, and I am extremely happy for it to be over. And I hope that my next um, my next book will be able to be published by a, a, a publisher. But this one, it was too personal. You know, there was mm. there were too many things in it that they wanted to change when I totally. had initially contacted a publisher. And it was too, um, it was, it was too visceral, you know, some of the stuff yeah. that was in there, they were like, this isn't going to help people recover from addiction. And I said, well, I'm not trying to get people to recover from addiction. I'm trying to tell my story. Totally. And then if people find hope through that story, then that's on them, but it's not my responsibility to, to get people sober. That's not what oh, I'm trying I to do that. here. I was like, I'm trying to be honest because that's what we need in this society right now is honesty and vulnerability, not fluffy stories that make people feel good. Totally. <laughs> Whoa, I love that. Yeah. Um, so I guess so that gave you like a greater level of control. of. So that's a big part of your kind of uh, story is like speaking your truth and like living in your true identity, right? So I listened to um, – your podcast episode you just did with triathlon Taryn that you kind of talked about your story yeah. a lot in the book. Um, and so like, I don't, I'm not a triathlon. I, I don't, I like to swim. I grew up swimming. I still coach a swim team, but running is like not my thing. Uh, so I'm like super impressed by that, but it was cool to listen to your story and you kind of describe how like coming into your like true identity as a person in recovery and coming out as gay, like these things are huge parts of your story. And so I kind of like without making you repeat too much of things that you've already said, because I want to point people to like that podcast or or also reading your book, right? Because your book totally goes into that. Um, but so can you just speak on that for a moment? Like, what is it like to live now more fully in your identity as opposed to like when you weren't? What is that like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, as I, as I reflect upon that question and reflect upon my whole process of where it all began was, was first with sobriety, you know, and mm. accepting that I had a problem and that I needed some serious help. Um, I had been kind of denying that problem for a very, very, very long time. 
And I got to the point where it was either, okay, finally accept this problem or just die. Just go ahead mm. and accept death. And so I tried suicide and that didn't work. <laughs> and so then right. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give it a freaking try. So I gave it a try. And that first step of acceptance um, really was a difficult and challenging one for me to make. But luckily, I had started training for triathlon at the same time. And so when I started training for a triathlon, I um, there were some things in acceptance that I learned that were not as challenging as things in sobriety when it came to acceptance that I needed to learn um, and that I wasn't willing to confront my identity when it came to um, me being gay. I knew that I was. I just was not willing. I was like, there's no way I'm going to tell another man or this group of alcoholics that I am a homosexual and you know, but but I'll accept that I'm an alcoholic, but there's no way I'm ever going to actually come out with that. And I knew somewhere deep down inside that at some point I was going to have to confront that. I just totally. I, I, I thought that maybe, <laughs> maybe I won't. And so um, triathlon actually began helping me to accept myself in these in these softer ways, accepting myself as not a full-blown triathlete yet, right? So mm -hmm. I hopped on the treadmill. My first training session was supposed to be seven miles. <laughs> I ran the full seven miles, but the next day I could barely walk. I, you know, and yeah. I wrote about that in my book that I could barely walk and I didn't, like, I had no idea what I was doing and I needed, I needed some help and I needed some guidance and to be able to accept help and guidance that was for triathlon. That was a way of me understanding that I needed help and guidance also in sobriety. And mm -hmm. ultimately I started to pair the two together, you know, and one strengthened the other. And I would do one, I would do something in one thing and then I would go over to sobriety and do it there and vice yeah. versa. And so, um, as, as time went on, I just began to get more and more comfortable with accepting things how they were so that it gave me a level at which I could continue to grow. I noticed that acceptance was where you start growing. Once you can accept, that's where you can grow. And that's where you can move beyond your shame. That's where you can move mm -hmm. beyond the, the feelings of low self-esteem and stuff is when you accept where you are and go, it's okay. It's okay to be right here today because yeah. tomorrow... I get to take a couple steps away from where I am today and be a better person tomorrow. And ultimately, you know, I ended up um, just accepting these, these things about my identity, my athleticism, and I began improving upon those things. And then it came to a roadblock. I realized I had reached the precipice. It was like, okay, now I'm I'm here. I've I've done my triathlon. I've I've trained for three years. I've written a book, but I still have not accepted this one last thing. You know, I still haven't accepted that I'm gay. And so when I came to that realization, I knew that if I didn't come out, that if I didn't accept it, that I was gonna go back out and drink. I was gonna mm -hmm. quit triathlon. And I sure as hell wasn't going to finish a book that was a whole bunch of lies. And so that's when I came out and um, 
I had to rewrite the entire book because it was a whole different story at that point. So that was another hard thing to accept. (laughs) Totally. Well, that's huge though. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, So with all of that, like, so you were, you kind of alluded to this. It's 12 step. You were doing like 12 step um, was like your thing, like a AA type thing. You know, I don't really, um, I don't really promote or, you know, stand up for any sort of recovery program. Yeah. Rather I'm affiliated with quite a few of them. And so, um, my history from, from age 15, I was actually court ordered to do, um, sobriety work. And so I've been in and out of various different programs. And to me, they all kind of have that, that same like progress that you go through. And that's what I've modeled, um, my, my business off of too, the integrity endurance program. I don't know if you've had a chance to look into that, but I created this, um, curriculum. It's called recovery charged fitness. And it's about using fitness to complement your recovery. And you can use that whether you're in a 12 step program or if you're in an outpatient clinic doing, um, you know, DBT type stuff. It's all, it's all kind of rooted in that acceptance and then, you know, sharing, giving back, Mm -hmm. helping other people, getting outside of yourself, you know? Yeah, totally. I love that. So that's actually, that was another thing I wanted to ask you about. So like, I actually just saw you shared an article yesterday that it was an article you wrote. Um, so I guess it was for, I saw that, I guess I didn't make the connection that the integrity that was, that's your also, I thought you were like guest writing on another blog. I don't know. But so this article you just (laughs) shared yesterday on Facebook, um, about how you almost slipped into like another being in an addictive state basically with exercise and how you kind of like pulled yourself back from that and like realized. So that's like, I think that's, you know, just in my personal story, I'm like, I can see traces of my addictive tendencies like with exercise before I ever tried the first drug. You know what I mean? So that's like, can you speak on that a little bit? Like how you kind of pulled yourself back and how you navigate that with like the fact that exercise can also be addictive and how you kind of stay in that um, good place and navigate that, you know? I can, you know, I, I, um, I want to expound on that just a little bit because I believe it's a much broader topic than just addiction. Um, and because it's a, it is, it is kind of like a personality. And so Mm. when, when it comes to, to myself, um, I've noticed that same process and the process that Rosemary is talking about is, um, when, when I, when I started training for a triathlon, I realized that it was all consuming. So it was consuming my entire emotional, um, plane and my entire spiritual plane. I mean, everything. And I was just, um, it started to affect my relationships. If I, if, if relationships got in the way of me training, then I was getting mad at them, uh, mad at people that I loved. And I was like, man, something's wrong here. Um, well that's happened in other areas too, like, um, sex for instance, and, um, eating and diet, you know, it happens Mm -hmm. with a lot of different, different ways. And so 
what I've noticed is that if I apply kind of that same um, rudimentary understanding that helped me get free of my addictions, which is to kind of stop concentrating so much on the addiction, accept that you have a problem, accept that it's there, accept that this is who you are, but then just simply start to help other people in any way that you can, you know, that helps you basically get outside of yourself. And so that's what I did with triathlon is I started to um, get outside of myself, communicate with other people about what was going on. And so that's when I started my blog and that's how it ended up turning into a book. Well, the same thing happened when it, when it came to sexual identity too, and sex is that, um, the way that I realized I was going to come out and remain healthy and remain value centered was if I connected with a community that also shared similar, similar issues. And so that's exactly what I did is I started connecting with them, talking with them, sharing with them about my experiences. And that's where the, um, the other blog that I run, My Best Gay Self, has come out of. It's about experiencing the best gay self. Whereas, you know, the Mark A. Turnipseed is a little bit about experiencing the best sober self and then mm. endurance. My Best Gay Self is a whole nother kind of segment that kind of just just talks about, you know, the sexual identity and the personal development in that um, in that area, because those are those are two very um, pertinent areas in my life. You know, the sobriety and the sexuality that both held me back and held a lot of shame and a lot of trauma was attached to them. And so um, and I believe that I'm not alone in the world when it comes totally. to that. Yeah. And then people need that. People need what you're doing, like just sharing your truth and your identity and standing firm and strong in that. And like every, you t touched on so much stuff, like, you know, the community aspect, we all need community and we all need like people that are kind of valid. It's validating to hear that other people like, okay, so I'm not crazy that I've been through these things. Totally. I love that. Yeah. So you do I, more than I, so I looked at your website a little bit, but I do this thing when I have podcast guests that I don't know super well, I like to not see everything that you do because it, I feel like it hinders my curiosity if I already know. So then I get to ask you fun questions that I didn't already like research out. Um, but so I know you do you do so much stuff, right? So you're an entrepreneur to like the fullest extent. You self-published your book. You're doing this. You have several different blogs. Uh, fitness is a part of like what you do, right? You're, I guess you're a personal trainer and also a model. Like, so you're getting ready to leave on like a modeling um, kind of expedition, I guess. So what is that like? Um, <laughs> did I miss some stuff? Is that like all the things? That is... I think that's all the things. Um, sometimes if I yeah. try to get it all in one mouthful, it makes me exhausted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you know, you got the, got the author, got the speaking, um, got the, the blogging and the writing, which is kind of separate from, you know, the authoring and, mm. uh, you know, that's with a newspaper and that's also with, with blogging. Um, and then yes, I am a personal trainer and a certified health coach. Um, and that kind of complements what I used to my my profession and my education was as a professional counselor, 
working oh, with wow. severely mentally ill. I worked with youth with addictions and things like that also. Um, and that's, you know, after I experienced this, this kind of psychic change in my, with, with my physical health and my addictions, I realized that I kind of wanted to help people in that way rather than helping people in the talk therapy, um, mm. sort of way in the vocational way. Um, yeah. I was like, man, I just have a passion about, um, being physically healthy, eating healthy and, and, and connecting with this body. Um, and I, I wasn't, I noticed that in counseling, I, I just wasn't able to, to break through with people in the, in the way that you can break through with people, um, when you get them moving. And so, totally. so that's where, um, that's why I started studying for exercise science and, and health coaching. And then the modeling thing that just kind of came up out of nowhere. Um, someone mm. reached out to me, a, um, a dear friend now, but he reached out to me on my Instagram and said, you know, I think you would make a great model. Why don't you fly down to Miami and I'll, I'll do a photo shoot with you. And the next thing I knew I was down in Miami and signing a contract with a model agency. Um, Very cool. so, you know, now that's, that's a little side gig and it's mm -hmm. fun. You know, it's, it's a great way for me to like express my health and fitness and, um, it's a, it's a great Avenue. Also, it feels like a, a form of art and acting yeah. and really like connecting with your, yourself as a character, but also yeah. like with somebody else as they're taking a picture of you, they're like, now, now feel this. And you get to like really dive into it. It's, so it's, it's been a lot of fun to explore. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's like typical, like this is part of the reason I even wanted to have you on because like you're totally an entrepreneur. Like entrepreneurs have typically have like a lot of irons in the fire, right? Like you're doing all this stuff. Um, and it's awesome. And they kind of all complement each other. And you have like, it totally makes you have like all these business skills clearly to yeah. kind of keep all that running, like by yourself, you don't have like a manager telling you what to do. Like you are your own manager. So what is what is a day in your life, like a typical regular day in your life? Like, like, so I'm, what I'm asking is like super micro yeah. into like, cause I think routines are important. And this is something I heard you touch on in the triathlon Terran podcast is that, um, triathlon gave you like a framework and a routine. And I, for me, that's been really important having a framework and a routine. So what are those like for you on like a micro level? Yeah. Like what, what are those things? You know, on a, on a daily basis, it, it's, um, it actually starts the night before, you know, uh -huh, so a little bit yeah. of planning, like, okay, what's, what's going on tomorrow. And I always do that right before I go to sleep. Um, and then I wake up the next morning and it's generally starts with some fitness. Um, mm. if not, you know, just like some yoga and some mindfulness, but generally it starts with a couple of hours of fitness and that's usually at like four 30 in the morning. Um, and I can usually be done with that by like seven 30, eight 30. Um, and then once I, uh, once I get to my house and, um, I kind of sit down and I do what's called, I, it's my, it's, it's, it's like me. I talk to myself as a business owner. So it's like, I have a little board meeting every day where I talk to these various people and it's actually just me talking but I say, okay, guys, 
let's sit down, let's discuss what we're going to get done today, let's discuss what we're going to prioritize. It's Monday, you know, February 17th, which it's not, but (laughs) I don't know the numbers and the days. I hate (laughs) pairing those. But yeah, so I sit down and I, I have like a board meeting with myself and I take minutes and I jot down what I have to do for that day. And it helps me just kind of like feel like I'm not so alone almost. It's yeah. like, okay, this is this is me. This is the team. You know, we're all in this. Um, the Mark, the speaker, is is helping out Mark the model, and you know, we're we're all in one focus. And so it helps yeah. me kind of dial it all in. Um, totally. And then I just kind of like I, I begin plowing through, you know, yeah. whatever whatever tasks that I have today. It was taxes. Woohoo, mm. a lot of financial stuff and and then it's um yeah and and food I think that like my eating and diet is a huge aspect to my program as well um yeah. and so you know I always am thinking about like how, what's the next like nutritional um the new tri- what, what what does my body need you know listen to my body know what it needs know what it has done so what it needs to recover from what it has done but also knowing like this afternoon i'm i need to take a 2 hour bike ride and knowing that i need to restore with enough proteins and stuff from this morning's workout but i also need to prepare my body for the demands of this afternoon mm. spike ride, you know, so there's, there's always, you know, thinking about that. And that way, um, I'm using, I use food as an instrument. And I, I try to do that with, with every, everything throughout my day is like, does this have an instrumental value to helping me be my best self? Or is this taking away? And, you know, once I look at things through that spectrum, that really, that really helps to ground me, right? And everything nice. that I do, it gives me that purpose. Just like with triathlon, it's like, why am I running this? Why am I doing this training episode that seems so hard? And um, how's it preparing me? Well, it really helps to have an application for it, have a routine mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then at the end of the day, what I do is I go, next to my, um, I've got a, a chakra, um, poster and I go sit there and, and meditate and I check in, you know, check in with, with each of my chakras and, and how I have been aligned with, um, my day with each of them, but also how they are projecting and manifesting the stuff that I want to happen for tomorrow. So that kind of wraps it all up. And then, then I usually read right before I go to sleep. <laughs> Very nice. That's awesome. I love that's so like you hit on so many things that are I mean, so that's why I choose yoga as my framework because yoga is like it encompasses all those things like morning routines, nighttime routines, nutrition, well really ayurveda and mm-hmm. then the meditation and all that stuff. Um and I think it's so important for people that like want to be entrepreneurs or want to like, you know, work, you know, do all these things, but it always entails kind of having a lot of irons in the fire, wearing all the hats. Like you said, like you're the, you're all the people in the board meeting, you wear all the hats in your own life. Yeah. So that's like, that's a lot. Um, I love that. I want, I just want to highlight. Yeah. And Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic is. 
there's like just a theme sorry. that um yeah sorry my lag with my internet it's it always causes like we'll be cutting each other off because there's a lag but it's a, i work with it um but I just like want to highlight that theme for the listeners that it doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care if yoga is your framework. It's just the one that I choose because it encompasses all that. But I hear this constantly that people that are very successful have something is like my point, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that yoga, yoga was actually, to tell you the truth, that's actually where it all started with me mm-hmm. and my journey. Um I and and then triathlon was kind of an accidental thing. Um, so, what what had happened to me is after my relapses, I kind of noticed, or right before my relapses, actually, I kind of noticed that if I so I had just gotten married, and mm-hmm. um, I noticed that if I didn't wake up and do my sun salutations, which So I I had been like a professional ski bum basically for a couple of years of heavy drinking. But Mm. one thing that I always did was I would wake up and stretch before I went on the mountain, right? Yeah. And so I I noticed that that helped me physically. But then when I when I got sober, I noticed that you know just doing my sun salutations even on days that I wasn't going skiing was important for my emotional self. Because if I didn't do it, then I was like extra moody to my wife. And um, that's where it all started with me was like, oh, wait a second, Mark, your emotions are highly tied with your um, with your routine and with you waking up and with you experiencing movement and with you connecting your mind to your body, which is mm. yoga, you know? Yoga doesn't have to be an hour long session. It's simply aligning your body, your breath and your mind all together through Mm. some sort of movement that can even be dance in the morning if you want it to be. But that's, you know, that's the definition. And, you know, then what that led me into is, is being able to make those mind body connections when it came to triathlon too. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so with that in mind so does I was wondering because you said that like triathlon helped you overcome you know some of the troubles I was wondering that if like the that triathlon helped you kind of release like traumas in your body in that way but so were you like always practicing I mean clearly if you're still meditating with the chakras it's it's at least a, a tiny thread for you um but is that, I mean, I feel like triathlon can do that too, because especially if you recognize it as that way, as bringing your mind together with the body, um, does that, does that help? Is that, is it the triathlon it accomplishes yeah, the same yeah, I, thing? Yeah. And there's, there's some deep seated, um, you know, Hindu and Buddhist kind of roots for that as well. Mm-hmm. So like great endurance events, um, walking across the Himalayas, for instance, mm-hmm. it's one foot at a time, you know, those yeah. types of sayings, like, how did you get to this, this monastery one step at a time? Um, yeah. and you know, those great feats of, of human accomplishment or like 
being able to sit on a mountain in the freezing cold with a wet blanket on yourself and warm, keeping that blanket from from becoming cold, like becoming frozen, like that's what the monks do out in Tibet. And you know, those types yeah. of great feats of human strength and endurance are um, simply the connection with the mind and body and spirit. And mm-hmm. so, I believe that triathlon does or did for me kind of, um, help take me to that next level. Now I had always been kind of a emotional and, um, cognitive, um, Mm -hmm. cerebral type person. And so I always, um, kind of thought about the way, and I always kind of thought about the spirit realm. And, um, I've been a poet since I could start, since I wrote words, you know? And so like, I've always, um, I've always kind of, kind of been in that, in that spot. Um, so I think that kind of helped me to start seeing those connections too. Um, and also my, when I initially got sober off of heroin, which was seven years ago, um, at the rehab center that I was at, they had this beautiful meditation room that was like, negative silence. I mean, it was so quiet. And it. so I remember going in there um, for just just to kind of get away from people for a little bit. And um, I, I started connecting really solidly there with with mindfulness and breath. And at first, I had such bad anxiety from, you know, because I had been addicted to, um, I had, well, first I had been prescribed anxiety medication since I was like 15 Mm -hmm. and then it got to be a serious addiction. And then I put heroin in on top of it and, Mm -hmm. and booze. And then, um, so I didn't know how to feel anxiety. I didn't know how to feel feelings basically, because I just shoved it down with a whole bunch of Xanax and opiates. Mm -hmm. And so when I first started getting sober, and I, I went into that room, I could like hear and feel my breath. And I noticed that, that I was able to kind of calm myself down when I was alone in that. And then I was like, well, maybe I can take this out into my everyday world inside this rehab center and maybe I can apply it there. I, and, you know, I had heard about mindfulness and stuff and I just never really applied it to myself. Um, I mean, I had been to school for that stuff with psychology, but I had never really applied it to myself. So that's where, um, I began like, okay, maybe I can do that when I brush my teeth. And maybe I can do that like first thing, right when I get up, make my bed. And so I started doing all like trying to make mindfulness a part of every single little thing that I did. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where, where it all began. Um, for me was, was just noticing that through mindfulness, through breathing, through connecting, I was able to manage my anxiety. I was able to, to navigate it. I was able Mm -hmm. to, to have relationships and, I was able to to be comfortable with my feelings anywhere I was, you know. Totally. Yeah, and like you said manage it rather than um kind of let it control you or Suppress. try to just stuff it down like you were saying too. Yeah. That's huge. Um so then you also sometimes, talk about Sometimes too yeah. it's not Go ahead. 
sometimes too, it's not managing it, but more so it's accepting it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is, um, accepting, you know, like the serenity prayer, accepting that, which I can't control. I can never control my anxiety. And until I realized that, like even medications, I wasn't able to control it. Yeah, I suppressed it and it actually started getting worse. Like it just got worse and worse and worse. I wasn't controlling it at all. And I yeah. still can't control it. I still, I, I kind of use that wrong word managing because it's more so that I accept it. And so when I am standing in the grocery store and I start having a panic attack now, instead of trying to run from it, I accept it and breathe through it. And mm. that was a lesson that I learned very much so in triathlon because um, as long as you just take it slow and breathe through it and just concentrate on one swim stroke at a time, one swim stroke Mm -hmm. at a time, um, your panic can disappear and you can finish. Like that happened to me in in my first swim. Um, And I talk about that in my book. My first swim, I was... I was like 500 yards in and then all of a sudden my mind got the best of me. I started having a panic attack in the wet. The wetsuit felt like it was constricting me and like eating me and the the water was freezing cold. It was sleeting on us. And um, it was like a day like today in Asheville. It was like sleeting and 40 degrees and just horrible and um, having a panic attack and what I ended up learning throughout that experience was um, if I fi- if I find my breath, find my breath, find my mm-hmm. center, that's one thing that, that you can't take from me. That's one thing that I can control. Find that breath and just keep going along with it. I actually rolled, rolled back and did backstroke nice. throughout the whole swim. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's so huge. Yeah, I was at, my next question for you was like if you had any like aha moments related to that. And so that sounds like one like in that in that moment in the swimming and it comes up and you're just there like what do you do and you were able to work through it and now that's your way, you know. Now you're Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I then that. I found various other ways to to continue practicing that. And so one of those was taking cold showers. Um, And I believe cold water, like I started doing, I didn't know this at the time, but it's actually been a method for centuries (laughs) is using cold waters for mood and anxiety. And what I noticed is that, so I actually got out of that swim and I was like, I'm going to start taking cold showers because I blamed it on the water. But really, it was it was my inability to connect with myself through a stressful situation. And what I decided, I was like, I'm going to start getting used to cold water. So that never happens again. So I started taking cold showers. Mm. And when I would take a cold shower, the first thing that I had to do right before, I mean, otherwise, you just stay clenched up and it's so miserable Well, yeah. to make it to where it's acceptable you have to find your breath. And so Mm. I did that for a couple of months. And all of a sudden, I began to notice that my anxiety when I was out and about, um, I had very bad social agoraphobia, social anxiety disorder. And 
I noticed that I was not experiencing those feelings anymore. And I was like, oh my God, I think the cold water has kind of healed me from my anxiety disorder. And um, ever, ever since, you know, I still take advantage of cold water all the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love hearing stories of like people who have been through like multiple really hard things in life. And then you come out the other side, basically able to find these tools. It's it's just a bunch of tools, I guess, is kind of what I want to highlight is there's all these different tools that we can have to exist in the world and feel at home in our own bodies and our own selves. You know what I mean? So I think that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, so then with that said, with all of that said, um, can you, let's talk about your book for a minute. So maybe I should have led with that. Oops. Anyway, so to link it all back to your book, this is where people can go to find out more about kind of the background and the story, right? Um, and so, yeah, so tell us about your book. Yeah, you know, the book dives deep into my childhood, um, mm-hmm. so sexual trauma that I had experienced as a, as a child, um, which I noticed, I noticed there was something very valuable about the trauma that I had experienced mm-hmm. that I could share with other people, because it wasn't like the worst trauma in the world, and, but my symptoms were still just like the worst yeah trauma victims in the world. So I had been, I had been previously working with kids who are highly traumatized. One of these kids saw his parents kill his baby brother and burn him in a hole uh, offering him up to the devil. Like that was what one of these kids had experienced. And this kid, so this was back when I was doing mental health counseling, this kid had the same problems as I did. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how on earth does somebody go through that and still just have the same types of emotional and social issues that I have? Like, wait, what's, what's wrong here? I was like, well, and, and that's when I was like, I need to, I need to share what I'm going through because like Mm -hmm. all trauma is related. All trauma can express and, and you know, somebody needs to be out there speaking and saying like, no matter if you if you come up in a um, you know kind of privileged right. you know southern white home, like you can still have these issues that end up making you an absolute menace to society, like I had mm-hmm. become. You yeah. know, I have I have four DUIs. I have a rap sheet that's like the encyclopedia. I mean, collecting my criminal documents all together is a very very tedious task. Like yeah. it's no joke. It's very, very hard um, because there's lots of it. And I was, a, I was just an absolute menace to society and a, a, a rather poor person. Um, so I discuss all of that stuff too in the book. Yeah. And um, I kind of show that like all of this relates to um, identity and trauma yes. and not being open with it and you know, not being able to express it inside of my family um, mm-hmm. was a 
a if I believe that if that is open inside of families today, then no matter what you what your family looks like on the outside, that that can help each individual on the inside reach their potential and reach their maximum, you know? And so that's, you know, ultimately one of the, one of the messages that I hope comes clear out of my book. Um, and you know, yes, there's, there's a little bit about triathlon in the book, but there's actually not too much. Um, Mm. it's, it's, that's only at the very, very end when, um, when I start talking about that. So, Yeah, it's uh it's been a good read. It's gotten some good reviews. I'm pretty excited yes. about it. It's led to some yeah. good speaking events and and um podcasts like your wonderful podcast. Yeah. So, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you because your story like like you were saying, even though we've had some different like particulars, um kind of what we come out finding is like the similar answers, I guess, similar um, things that work. And then also like, I really resonated when you said like your, your rap sheet is long or whatever, like as, as people in recovery, we can um, sometimes we made ourselves like unhirable, but you know, quote unquote, air quotes, unhirable, but clearly, you know, you've paved a way. And I love to highlight that, that it's like, you know, just because you might be a felon or, or have a long criminal history doesn't mean that you can't like create a beautiful life and, you know, still be successful and stuff. I love that. I actually didn't know that based on like just the preliminary kind of like research I had done about you before our conversation, but I, I love that you just highlighted like so much that I want to highlight for the listeners, you know, that like there's, a million ways to get to the top of the mountain, you know, there's not just one prescribed path. And I love highlighting, you know, kind of different options to do that. Um, yeah. 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 And the, I think that the best way to look at, you know, climbing any mountain is, is just one step at a time, you know, mm-hmm. just think about each step with, with integrity how am I going to take this next step to the best of my ability, you know, rather than when am I going to get up to the top? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as we, as we mindfully step each time, then each of those steps begins to become enjoyable. And that's how you start to finally experience the slogan. The joy is in the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, because, that's so very true. And I always used to be like, Oh, shut up. I hate that. Um, but now looking back at it, once I was able to, um, start experiencing that, that's where, you know, true magic started to happen. And, um, that's where it all began really. Nice. I love that. So I know um, your book is available in Malaprops. I know you can, we can, if anybody is in Asheville listening to this, you can go to Malaprops and get a signed copy, but where else can people find your book or find you? It's also at Fire Noble. Um, and you can also go to any, any local bookstore in the U S and, Ooh. and Canada 
and ask them to order it. Um, so all yeah. of them, although they might not have it on their shelves, they can all get it printed and have it there within like a week or two. Nice. Um, and then, you know, there's also Amazon. So yeah. that's a great, very quick, you know, way mm-hmm. to get it. Um, there's also my website, markaturnipseed.com where I will send out signed copies. So if you went, for instance, to your local bookstore in Kansas and asked for a copy, it's not going to come to you signed. And so if you wanted a signed one, you have to either be in Asheville and and get one from either Barnes & Noble, Firestorm, or Malaprops, or get one through the website, Mark A. Turnipseed. But you can also Google... My Suicide Race, and you can find the ebook, you can find the paperback, and audiobooks nice. should be out in a couple of days, hopefully. Very cool. So the, the journey continues. You're still, still working on it, huh? Just one piece, you know. You got yes. the book out, now you got the audiobook coming, and you continue on. Yeah, That's and awesome. the reason for that blog article yesterday was because I finally feel the space to be able to open up the integrity endurance, um, the network of, of personal trainers and health coaches to help opiate addicts. So I believe that it's time, the energy out there in the world is, is calling me forth. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, to put this out there now. Um, and so We'll see how that goes. I got to finish writing up the curriculum, which is the the four phase model of basically like integrity, endurance, and recovery charged fitness, and um, and then we'll start taking some clients. So wow, pretty excited about that. Very cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I will link all of your stuff in the show notes. And so that people can find you, look up your book. And thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. I had a absolutely delightful discussion and chat this morning. Well, that concludes our episode today. So if any of this resonated with you, if you want to hear more, please connect with me. You can find how to do that in the show notes. Um, like it, share it, rate, subscribe, review, all the things. Give me all the digital warm and fuzzies. And remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Thanks.